refreshing, delicious and packed with the good stuff. It's The Juice with Louise Wilkinson on Newcastle Live Radio. It is Therapy Thursdays and I welcome back Tony Knight, our resident psychotherapist, to The Juice. Happy Therapy Thursday, Tony. Thank you so much, Louise. Um, It's a croaky thank you because like so many others, I've just been through COVID and still, still, still dealing with it actually. But yes, it's a croaky thank you from me. I'm so pleased to be here. Yeah. And today we're going to be talking about it. Now, look, I know that we're all, we've sort of tuned out to the figures and we just go, I think we go, oh, it's under 10,000, today's a good day. But um, remember when it was like at 50 and everybody was freaking out and thought it was the end of the world? I mean, how times have changed. (laughs) Oh, they sure have. But um, today we're going to be talking specifically about, and something that I am extremely passionate about, is the emotional effects of COVID. Uh, Because... We haven't really had to deal with this before in our lifetime or our parents' lifetime before, and it's a real head game at times. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely it is. I mean, many of us are fortunate enough to have not had to deal with, you know, fairly debilitating chronic conditions in our life. And I think that while many know exactly what it's like because they've been unfortunate enough to you know, to have to, to cope with them and to live with them. COVID has opened up that to a whole lot more people now that have never known what it's like, Yeah, you know, to, to have their their daily life affected so significantly on an ongoing basis. Yeah. So, look, I mean, we've heard uh, we're, we're very open here on the juice, so it's no secret that I had the spicy cough in January. I feel like I timed it well because uh, we were on holidays from the station, so I didn't miss any shows, which was very clever of me. But coming out of that, I've had worse flus, definitely. Um, So it did knock me and I was in bed for about four days. I got out of my isolation, but what really shocked me was that I didn't bounce back the way that I expected. And so there's a little marker that um, that GPs use, and that is at the three-month mark, if you're still not firing on all cylinders, we call it long COVID. So mm. I got my long COVID badge. Now, it's not as exciting as getting a Scouts badge. That's far more exciting. Uh, mm. But here I am um, three months down the track and I am still not back. So today we thought we'd chat about mm. the psychological head game that is COVID. Absolutely. And I guess I want to start by pointing out that um, I happened to be reading some research on long COVID this morning mm. and it might surprise people to learn that about 30% of people who have COVID go on to develop long COVID. And I don't say that to freak people out, but to simply point out that long COVID is a lot more common than people realise. There's a lot of people out there who are experiencing it, probably as many as one in three. So, yeah, yeah, it's an important topic and it's affecting a lot of people. Yeah, it certainly is. And... You know, I think that we're a little bit behind. I was also, because I'm I'm sort of reading up on it now that my doctor sort of said to me, given me that label, which has sort of got me to research a little bit more, that 
In other developed countries, so we're talking America, Europe, you know, where, where COVID was rampant, uh, they have long COVID clinics because mm-hmm. they recognise that it's something that is an ongoing problem. Yep. We're a little bit behind. So we had our first long COVID clinic open in Sydney only last week. So there's not a lot of... Um, not a lot of awareness about long COVID. We're just, it's just like from a, from our point of view, I think as Aussies, we think, oh yeah, we'll go down for a couple of days. We stay inside for seven. We go out and we get on with our lives. And when that doesn't happen, mm. we go, oh wow. Okay. Mm. Um, this wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah, exactly right. And, um, you know, we, we sort of expect that we're just going to continue to, you know, bounce back and get better and it's going to go back to, to life as usual. And, look, for most people that have COVID, that's exactly the case. Uh, but I noticed myself um, and, you know, I'm only four days uh, out of isolation as we speak and even that time that I couldn't function properly, I was like, oh, what? What's this? You know, this is ridiculous. This is you know, this is terrible. This is really inconvenient. And so, yeah, it, it's funny how we kind of just assume that we'll be able to pretty much do life as usual, even when we're sick. Um, but of course, that's that's not the case. And, and it requires an adjustment. And actually, Louise, if I can, you know, turn the interviewing back onto you. Yeah. I'd love to know, you know, what impact it had on you emotionally and how you've been able to cope with your experience of long COVID. Yeah. Well, look, my symptoms um, were, first of all, uh, I, I the cough lasted, the spicy cough, as we, as we like to call it, lasted a lot longer than what I was expecting. So uh, I still had the cough and my voice was still affected for probably around two months after. So we're, I'm at month three now, so I'm, I'm entering into month four. But um, obviously that has a big impact uh, as someone who uses their voice day in, day out um, for long periods of time. I had to really meter um, how I used my voice through the day because if I didn't watch that, it was going to run out. So that was point one. Point two was my joints. Um, and so people who have stuff like fibromyalgia and all that sort of thing, we, we've heard about it. Um, but my joints, by the end of the day still, my knees, my ankles, uh, my hips and my lower back will be absolutely on fire by the end of the day, which is never something that I've, I, I exercise, I'm, I'm a dancer, I'm flexible. It's never something that I've had to, had to deal with and I mm. feel like an old woman. So um, that, that was a thing. But the other thing was the tiredness the malaise after I exercised and I felt very, I feel very down. And then, but the flip side of that is that I actually feel anxious because I'm not operating at a level that I think I should be operating at. And so I'm balancing, um, I guess, depression and anxiety at the same time because, um, you know, I'll just be so flat that I just have to, sit and watch garbage television because my brain just can't take any more. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then I get anxious because there's all these things that I should be doing that I'm not doing. So <laughs> it's a real head game. Yeah. Oh, isn't it ever? And, you know, it's just I think you've described very much the typical experience. 
most people with long COVID symptoms um, tend to have the tiredness uh, and, you know, sometimes the like the shortness of breath or cough or lack of smell. Um, and so yours is a little unusual in that you've got the joints, um, the joint pain, although I'm sure a lot of people do experience that as part of long COVID. Mm. Um, but, you know, the anxiety and feeling down is I think we're going to see a lot more of it in the future and I think a lot of people are going through it. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because I think even as you explained what you were going through, Louise, you pointed to some of the reasons why you're experiencing that. And so I would say, A, it's not unusual, and B, there's a clear reason for it. Now, there are things that can be done to help, but I'm not going to you know, say that we can snap our fingers and you know, feel great again in the face of this because this is not Yeah, yeah. You know, something that we can kind of, you know, just kind of laugh off or go, oh, yeah, it's going to be okay. Yeah, 100%. So what we might do is we might talk strategy when we come back after the break. Tony, I'm loving this discussion. It's really fascinating. And um, I'm really proud that we can open up this discussion because there isn't a lot of information around it. And uh, a lot of people will be connecting with this now going, yeah, that's me. I'm not, you know, I'm not by myself, which is nice to know. Um, But um, what can we do about it? Well, I'm back with our psychotherapist, Tony Knight. And I tell you what, if there's anything that can uh, boost you out of the blues, it's that song. We bop along to it every time. I do love your little intro. (laughs) Now, we have been talking about COVID and the effects of COVID, but we're coming at it from a mental health perspective. And I have shared that I really struggled with the fact that I just didn't come out of it after my seven days and bounce back. And, um, you know, we've talked about this when we did perfectionism and we did, you know, and that sort of thing. And you quite rightly said, Louise, you know, perfectionism and running yourself into the ground is something that you're a little bit prone to. So (laughs) imagine my my horror when I can't get back to my normal weekly routine, which is quite jam-packed and and I am really struggling with my energy levels. So this is becoming a real thing for people. Um, I guess, first of all, the shock that We're not coming out of it like, you know, we have the flu, we're laid up in bed for a week, we feel better and on we go. Uh, So there's a shock factor to it and then there's a bit of a depression and anxiety bit to it as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there is. I I think you've described it really well. Obviously it's going to be somewhat different for everybody but I think that you've included the main kinds of things, you know, the shock you know, the, the sadness, perhaps frustration, anxiety, etc. Yeah. 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 Everyone seems to be experiencing a range of those things with COVID as well as long COVID. I guess I want to point out that I technically don't have long COVID. I've just experienced the ordinary variety so far. And I reckon I experienced a bit of that as well, just in the, you know, week to 10 days that I've been kind of, you know, not as productive yes. um, as, as I normally am. And You know, there are ways of coping with this, and I'm going to start by saying that some of it we can do on our own and some of it I think it's not good to do on our own. Mm. And so, you know, for people who are particularly acutely affected by it, that that really are feeling strong levels of, you know, anxiety, depression, whatever, um, it's going to be really good to link up with someone. I mean, I think we all could do that and it's Mm. going to help us greatly. 
but potentially professional people uh, for those who are really struggling on their own. But coping, because we're such a social species, coping with others is almost always going to be a better option than trying to deal with it ourselves. And yet we're so loath to get help, you know, to let people know where we're really at. Mm, it's 100% correct. And this is why I am quite passionate about opening up the conversation because I, I had a friend who is in the medical field. She's very knowledgeable about COVID. She's been dealing in a hospital setting with the um, the precautions and the measures that the hospital have taken with COVID over these two years. And it's been a fairly fraught two years. And she mm. contracted COVID. And we had a chat last week because she said, if you haven't had it, you don't know. And it's a real unique set of circumstances. First of all, um, we're getting a lot more accepting now, but there was a real stigma in those first, in those, in that first year, year and a half. Um, you know, we hardly knew anyone that had COVID. Um, you know, it might have been a friend of a friend of a friend, and oh, they've got COVID. And there was almost a stigma around it. Now every man and his dog is, you know, contracting the the spicy cough and we see it on Facebook and, you know, oh, yeah, I'm in ISO and, yeah. And (laughs) and so it's becoming a lot more accepted. But um, it's kind of one of those things, I guess, still a little bit that we go, okay, we had it, we're going to slip it under the carpet. And, um, you know, if I'm asked, I don't mind saying that I had it and I recovered, but I'm not really going to bring it into conversation. And my friend said it was so good to talk to you, Louise, because um, we could relate. And I think that's really important is that, Mm -hmm. you know, if we're feeling something um, that, yeah, we're not um, we're not being wussbags by the way that, you know, we're, we're feeling about coming out of this or when we have it. And talking about it with someone who understands is often the first step. Um, but if the, you know, the, the symptoms do go on and, and you are quite depressed or quite anxious, then a professional is where it needs to step in. But I guess awareness and bringing it to the table and, you know, discussing the fact that these things come up um, within those seven days and after uh, is the first step to sort of um, people sort of putting two and two together and, and realising that, oh, okay, well, this, this could actually be connected to, to my COVID. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that some of the things that you've brought out there and what you said are the importance not only of linking up with people, um, but linking up with people, I think, helps on so many different levels. So one of the first things, one of the first goals, if you like, with COVID is to reach a level of acceptance. And so when we say acceptance, we're not saying you've got to like it or be okay with it. Okay, not at all. You don't have to like it at all. And acceptance is not passive resignation either. Acceptance is not sort of throwing your hands in there and going, well, there's absolutely nothing I can do. That's not it either. Acceptance is a great place to start. Acceptance is about acknowledging reality with a relatively calm body, by the Mm. way. Acknowledging reality is a great place to start in doing something about it because the alternative is to continue to waste physical and emotional energy on hating reality, on resisting reality, Mm. on trying to deny reality. And so, look, I know that it's much easier said than done, 
But ideally, that's one of the things, that's where we're going. And I think being able to talk about it with others really does help to facilitate, mm. yes. you know, that acceptance, that place where you go, okay, I don't like it. This is what it is. I'm now calm and rational enough to be able to fully acknowledge it and to start to think about what to do about it. Yes. And one of the great things about linking up with other people is that it can help remind you of your strengths and your values. And although there are a lot of things about COVID that we can't control when we've got it, including the trajectory, so, you know, kind of, you know, what happens next and what happens Mm. in two or three months' time, while we want to be able to acknowledge it and share our experience to know that we're not alone, talking to other people about it um, helps us to, as I said, bring out our values and our strengths. And these are things that we do have some control over. Yeah, We can choose the kind of person that we want to be through this and we can use our strengths not only to cope emotionally but to start to put things in place that are going to help us to live as well as we can. Yeah. And, and we can be stuck in a place of real threat if we don't accept where we're at or if we try to kind of fight it on our own. Really, before we do anything about our experience of COVID, I think it's really, really useful to get a true sense that this is the person that I choose to be and your, your, your values could be around courage, honesty, it could be around, you know, the things that are important for you to do, the person you choose to be. Obviously, there are going to be limitations to that energy-wise, but to recognise that even with COVID, you can choose to be a certain type of person mm. and that doesn't mean that you have to do the same actions that you were doing prior to having COVID. Yeah. It's an adjustment, but you can still be that person. And Linking with your values and strengths not only helps you to to solve problems and to cope, but it reminds you that you are more than COVID. You know, that while it is important to acknowledge it, it doesn't have to define you. Yeah. Um, And I think it's about finding that really sometimes quite difficult balance between being able to acknowledge it as part of your experience but not let it define you. Yes, 100%. Yeah. It's... um that's perfect because yeah it's um yeah it it has been like a real head game and um you know demystifying it and bringing it out into the opening and talking about it is is the first step to kind of understanding and you know i really hope that as a as a health unit that we uh there's more support for people who aren't coming out of it quite as as strongly as what they expected um mm-hmm. you know so we have to you know lean on each other a little bit and um and lean on professionals if we're struggling with how we're coming out of it and i'm sure that a lot of people are sort of the other the other thing i guess is that um if you're not aware that this can be a byproduct, that you beat yourself up and go, oh, God, why am I down? Why am I anxious? Why am I this? Why am I that? You know, I've got to get back onto the exercise trope, for example. And one of the things that um, that my doctor said to me uh, is that the post-exercise malaise, you will make it worse if you keep exercising. It's mm. not something you can push through. So having mm-hmm. those um, that knowledge and then being able to sort of put that in perspective with what's going on in your body is so important. 
Yeah, yeah. And look, there's so much we could say about this. And, you know, it might be useful to talk more about long COVID, you know, at, a, at another yeah. um, episode. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's acknowledging that we can't do necessarily what we can do now. But if we can get to a reasonable level of acceptance with this, it does allow us to listen more to our body. Yes. Um, and, you know, our body is telling us so much. And quite often when we're really busy, uh, we, we don't hear those signals. And, and so you're right. You know, potentially, although I'm not a doctor, you know, that lack of energy is telling us of the importance of not overdoing it, of resting, you know. Um, and so we, we can listen to that message. You know, that, 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 that down feeling, that flatness um, is often low energy levels. And although it is going to have the tendency to make us feel down, if we can remind ourselves that when we experience that low energy, that this is our body recovering and recuperating, that it's not at its best at the moment, we can use that low energy signal to remind ourselves that, look, I'm not necessarily depressed. This is me labelling this low energy in my body um, as, as depression but it's actually illness and we can sometimes mm. confuse the two. And so I don't want to suggest to people that they're not depressed. I wouldn't know. Yes. But I am going to say to people that when we can find alternative ways to do, um, you know, COVID and the lack of energy, then actually we might find that that low energy signal is actually just telling us that our body's not at our best, not that our, um, that we're necessarily down and, if we pair that with being mindful of how we're thinking, the things we're telling ourselves about our experience of COVID, we may be able to avoid some of the worst mental health effects of COVID, perhaps. A hundred percent. Tony, this has been an absolutely fascinating discussion and you're right, there's so much that we could say and we might um, in in future episodes sort of revisit this and circle back and – but. Um, look at it from different points of view because there is so much to unpack mental health wise. Uh, the last two years have really thrown us for a loop in a lot of spaces. So there's a lot to talk about, but I really hope that if you're listening to this and you haven't bounced back as, as quickly as you would like, that we've given you some perspective and, uh, some things to think about. And, uh, what we both want to say is be kind to yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there is such a place for, um, you know, just looking after yourself now and recognising that all those signals are just signals to say, yeah, take it slower, look after yourself. Love it. Tony Knight, thank you so much for joining us once again as our resident psychotherapist on Therapy Thursdays here on The Juice.